0: All
1: right. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another one of our episodes where we have amazing interviews with really awesome people. So, today we've got Claudia here. Uh, We're going to be talking about what life is like for immigrant children. This is actually something that I think is really important because I was an immigrant child and so was she. Uh, You know, so this affected us directly. I immigrated from Cuba, you know, at seven years old, and it was not easy uh, adjusting Mm -hmm. to the culture, and kids are just mean. To be honest, <laughs> they really mean. Um, and you know, if you've got a good teacher, that's great, but sometimes you don't. So, we're going to talk a little bit about the challenges that um, immigrant children face, not only in school, but in their neighborhoods um, and just in life in general, especially, for example, if their parents aren't legal, right? So, um, Claudia, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where you come from and kind of what your story is and how you got here?
0: Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's good to be here. So I'm Claudia Vialta. Uh, I was born and raised in El Salvador. Um, so I was, um, raised during the well, I was born during the civil war in El Salvador. So there was a lot of, um, tension going on during that time, right? When I was born and my family got very politically activist. So at that time, um, you know, my mom and her brother were, you know, marching for civil rights. And at, at that time, my in the 80s, early 80s, 1980, my mom lost her brother, you know, during that commotion uh, of fighting for civil rights. So at that point, my mom's life um, was in danger, right? And her main concern was her life. So she had to leave the country, leave everything behind uh, and leave behind us, my sister, my older sister and I, uh, so I was maybe two and a half, three years old, very young, at a very young age. Um, so I left behind with, uh, with my grandmother. Um, so it was, you know, it was di- difficult for my mom to leave her children and for me as her daughter, right, uh, as you're saying about everything that we go through. So my mom uh, had to go through her own experience of migrating um, During that time, it was like, you know, you would get political asylum in different countries. So she had to go through different countries until she made it over here. Uh, So I reunified with my mom when I was 12. Um, So with that, it was was an exciting moment because I was reunifying with my mom, but it was also difficult because I was leaving behind everything that I knew, right? Um, It was a new language, uh, friends, uh, my family that I was raised by you know, my grandmother and I also was separated from my sister, Uh, though she was also parentified, right? She would take care of me because she was a little bit older. Uh, So it was a lot of losses that you go through with the process, right? Even though you think changes are hard, right? Even though it's a change that you might want, it's still difficult. Uh, So reunifying with my mom was also difficult uh, just because there was a gap in between the relationship with us, right? Um, She also... Uh, had uh, a family she you know she got married and then had two children so then i i i kind of joined another family so that was also another adjustment for me uh even though i was happy to have a family it was you know it, it's difficult because yeah, I that's was, a
1: lot to that's a lot to happen to a child all at
0: once <laughs> yes yes so it is i think it's important for us to realize what children go through right even though they might want to be here because they feel like safety is usually a lot of the times that get us to this country right Or and the financial uh probably financial piece as well uh because before maybe it was a little bit different because of the political climate that was happening um in El Salvador and other Central American countries um in other parts of the world too i know um other parts of the world there were uh, a lot going on the political stuff uh during the 80s uh but now right the post-war in el Salvador also has another piece of the safety that i can be in my country as well because safety is a concern right even though during that time during the 80s safety was also a concern now it's a, a different layer of safetyness right That like you have to make sure that you feel safe we migrate here for other other reasons, but they're the same. The, the theme of it is safety, right? Uh, and the financial piece of it that the American dream is not like as easy as it might sound, right? It's a very difficult uh, American dream that we have to go through as immigrants. And it's important for us to uh, tell our stories, right? So, so we can know what it's like, so people can understand us what we go through.
1: Yeah, I actually think that it's so important, the things that we're touching on right now, because oddly enough, these are not the things that we usually talk about when we talk about immigration, because what we talk about is, we we do talk about like the violence and leaving and that, but we don't specifically talk about the fact that families have to leave each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, I was lucky enough to be able to come with my mom, but Mm -hmm. for a lot of kids, it's not like that. You know, so I feel like that's a part that that doesn't get enough attention. The fact that think about the sacrifices that these families are making just to get here. Like anyone who doesn't have compassion, you would have to think about what would it take for a mother to grab her children and risk death walking thousands of miles? That that must take something extreme. Right. Right put her life in danger like that, and her kids' lives, like, she must feel like she has no other choice,
0: mm-hmm. and and
1: I feel like we don't talk enough about the humanity of it, like, these are children, right, and and one of the things that, that I've always felt is we've, there's this game going on in the government, and it doesn't matter who's in charge, because they're all playing the same game, mm-hmm. and the game is they will look at this group of people, any group of people, right? Just this group of people and say, all of your problems are because of this other group. And, and that's what they do. They put us against each other so that we're constantly fighting each other and don't realize they're screwing all of us, mm-hmm. right? So we've, I mean, I haven't because I'm an immigrant, but we as Americans, right? We've been taught that anyone who's different than us, anyone who wasn't born here, and is just the other. Mm -hmm. And is either they're either lazy or they're criminals or they're out to get you somehow somehow they're gonna screw you over Right and we've completely taken the humanity out of the fact that these are people like these are children That are having to not only sometimes like you be apart from their parents But then when they do reunify look at all the things that you touched on. I mean, these are very real things that we don't talk about. What if your, your parent has a new family and now you have to be integrated into that? Not to mention, I remember what it was like coming from Cuba, <laughs> the very first place I ever ate in the United States was a Burger King. And it was amazing. I couldn't believe, okay, this is gonna sound weird. I could not believe all the colors and and that, that might sound weird to people, but you might know what I'm talking about. Right, right. Because everything here is so bright and colorful and nice. And like, I mean, we can find things to pick on, but compared to my country, it was like, oh my God, a
0: chicken <laughs> sandwich, <laughs> like what? <laughs> and it looks a lot bigger, right? You're like, wow, yes. right? That's, yeah. a, that's a kid, you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's amazing. And so it's like, it's all these changes for children Mm -hmm. where they're having to literally, like imagine if you were just dropped in the middle of like Sweden right now and you just had to learn the language, you had to figure out the economy, you had to figure out how to interact, like it's, you're completely lost. And then like, I remember for me in elementary, so I did second Mm -hmm. grade here and there was this one boy and you never forget these people's names, you know, the (laughs) assholes, you never forget them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was this one boy and yeah I'm holding a grudge from second grade his name was Giovanni <laughs> shout out to Giovanni <laughs> yeah he's such a little dick like he would just oh, push my. me he would push me against the wall he would push me against like metal bars oh. and because I couldn't second his- grade wow. yeah, that's great and I could not understand what he was saying and I remember I went to our second grade teacher Ms. Zaro at Victory Boulevard Elementary. (laughs) And when I I, I was able to somehow communicate with her, like, hey, he he pushed me, he's hurting me. And she looked at me and she said, well, you must have done something to upset him. Mm -hmm. And that was my first brush with racism. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about, you know, once you got settled in, what your experience was like as a child. And then now as an adult, how has your experience as a child influenced your choices as an adult and what you do now?
0: Yeah, so as a child, I think I I went through uh, something, you know, maybe similar things that you went through uh, as well. Discrimination, right? Uh, And blaming the victim, right? Uh, The society blames the victim, right? Oh, you must have done something wrong. It's your fault kind of thing, the message. So I definitely experienced uh, some fairly similar things in middle school because I started middle school, right? Um, And I also remember that during that time, when I started, that was Montebello Intermediate. um, And I still have friends, you know, from intermediate, but my friends, they were all from different countries, but not mine. So I also went through this identity, like I knew I was Salvadorian, but then it's like uh, where, you know, there's a difference in how we speak the language, certain words that might mean something that may mean something else for other yeah, people. I feel that because I'm Cuban and there's not a lot of Cubans in, in California, yeah, that's of right. Florida, but not a lot in California. Yeah, <laughs> in California. Absolutely. Right. So you can relate to that. Right. When you are like, Oh my God, like, you know, you kind of lose a little bit of that. And you want to regain it back and then try to balance both. Right. And for people to understand you and, trying to adapt words so they can understand you, but then also not lose it. So it's like, you go through this conflict of also identity of who am I? I know who I was, but as a child, you go through that as well, right? Um, And of course that, you know, as as time passes, um, it gets better, but I had to work through that, right? Through that piece. I also had to work through the separation of my mother uh because that's a big impact right losing people was really hard and i didn't understand why it was so hard for me to lose people and it was so painful and i didn't want i wanted to hold on to people right um, or just it was hard or connecting to people as well because i didn't want to connect to people because then i was afraid to losing them so you know, all really that quick,
1: really quick it's it's funny that you say the thing about trying to be understood even with other spanish speakers Because Mm -hmm. that is a very real thing. And people don't realize that because like, for example, so Cubans talk really fast. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'll be taught, I, at first, especially I would be talking to other Spanish speakers and like, they would either ask me to slow down or like, you know, and it got to a point where I, because another thing about the way Cubans talk is we cut a lot of letters out. So a lot of times we won't fully pronounce our R's or our S's. We'll be like a breath, right? (laughs) And so I started trying to pronounce, like, porque yo sé que, and, like, just all the S's, all the R's, and for a while I tried, and people did understand me better, but I was like, this isn't how I talk. Like, it's fake. I'm faking, I'm I'm not faking an accent, but I'm, like, saying everything in, like, the correct, I guess, I don't know, full way Mm -hmm. pronunciation of everything, and it's like, but that's not my accent. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there, because I totally get what you mean by that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and even uh, I think now I'm, I'm trying to use it uh, more, you know, as the boss, you know, we, instead of you, like the you, right, it would be you, uh, two boss, right, for us as boss, uh, but for some people it could be offensive, right, but uh, it's part of the, my culture, right, so it is important, f- you know, for other people to understand, right, my culture, I respect your culture, so respect my culture as well, right, but as a child, I didn't, I didn't know that, I didn't, I just wanted to belong. Right? So I probably lost a little bit of that, like you're saying, right? We wanted to adapt. I uh, was trying to survive and adapt um, in this big mainstream, right? Uh, especially when kids are being mean to us, right? Because we don't speak the language. Because you're in the ESL classes, right? I remember being in the ESL classes. That was back in the days. I think that they don't call it that anymore. But, um, right? I mean, being in the ESL, it was, oh, you're not, you know, you're not cool, right? Being in the ESL classes. Uh, so, even that is part of like you know discrimination uh, for not speaking the language um, so there's a lot of uh things that we go through and, and it's important to have an understanding and that 's why it's like good to have this uh right commun- like this interviews and uh so people can know I like, can know how it is for us uh even the little a little bit of who we are right it's important um so that was me growing up. Now, as I work as a psychotherapist, uh, so I work with uh, a lot of immigrant families. I work at a nonprofit organization where we um, serve a lot of uh, Latinos, immigrant families that come to this country. Right, we provide mental health services. Uh, so I pro- you know, I'm um, a, a therapist, so I provide uh, mental health services. Um, so now it's like having this using me right as a tool. Uh, Me going through my own therapy as well, my spiritual healing as well to be able to heal all those wounds and be able to have an understanding and help others that are also going through that, right? Even though in the 80s was um, for different reasons, it's uh, not much has changed, unfortunately, right? We're still trying to survive. We're still trying to have a better life, a better life uh, for ourselves, for our families, uh, and it's still the same thing now right uh so my story might be very similar like you and i right we have a lot of similarities already so i think uh it's important to tell our stories because our story could be very similar to someone else's right Uh, so it's important to um work through through those wounds the trauma that we go through um as we adapt to this new country
1: what have you found is is the the biggest trauma that immigrants and immigrant children face when when you talk to them and in, in your in your day-to-day
0: job Ooh, um you know working with uh families that are there's so many layers of trauma um there, like, the trauma is intergenerational right until it's healed trauma will not be passed on to the next generation. That's why I think it's important to have an understanding, understanding of what, how trauma works, right? If I don't heal my trauma, if I have children, I will pass it on to my children, right? Because it's not being, I haven't healed from that, right? So we'll continue to uh, continue, repeat the same cycle, right? Uh, so it is important, healing from all the traumas are very important. Uh, there's the trauma from, you know, sexual abuse from neglect uh coming to this country could be very traumatic for a lot of people right if you're coming uh if you're coming from el salvador you come you know have to come through the different countries uh right to get here right uh, and then also being separated here if you come with your parents uh you are detained um and now we've seen how kids are being placed in cages now that could be very traumatic how kids are you know being put in um cages like uh places like, like animals. animals like animals absolutely absolutely we don't even put animals here right we have so many uh rights for dogs and and i love dogs right but how would we do that to children right to children yeah. to human beings um so yeah so there's a lot of things different uh layers of trauma but i think um from from the immigration piece um I think there's a lot of uh, uh, sexual abuse, neglect uh, that I've seen uh, from... Because a lot of these
1: people get taken advantage of as they're trying to get here.
0: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they're assaulted, essentially. Yes, there's a lot of physical abuse as well, right? I think in a culture, Latino culture, we think that uh, we use um, violence, a lot of violence, domestic, domestic, there's a lot of domestic violence, uh, substance abuse. Uh, we use that to cope with our our own trauma. I think there's a lot of substance abuse that is being used uh, to cope, maladaptive coping, right? Um, yeah, I think, uh, and we and there's more usage here. It seems like uh, because there's more another layer of trauma, right? When we get to this country, right now we add more layers of trauma. If You've been separated from your family, from your children. You left them in your country uh, you're trying to survive here, right? You have more stuff, more layers. Um, so now we have more substances to use, uh, to cope and survive, right? Um, yeah. yeah. There's
1: more access here too. And, and, you know, it's so
0: true. It's not just
1: the trauma of, you know, potentially being separated from your family and then reuniting. And then, you know, there's also the people that you leave behind, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've always found it, hilarious people who say, oh, this is our country. Get out of our country. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, you probably only go like two generations back before your grandparents, you know, get drink it here. And let me remind you that when the Irish arrived, you know, they weren't considered white. When the Italians arrived, they weren't considered white. Second of all, you know, the fact that we seriously have the balls to be like, oh, we took your land from you and now we're going to pretend it's ours and tell you to get out. Just stop, just stop. Exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's, it's disgusting, it's ridiculous. Like we know history, no matter how much you try to hide it in history classes because there's so much of Latin history, like Latin American history that is not covered in our history books in mm-hmm. school or that they just lie about. So it's just ridiculous to me, the fact that we can we can look at other human beings in this kind of pain and not care. And what I think it is, is there's a group of people in the country, and they're not the majority. These are the minority, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like these are the true extremists. The ones that hate people who look different than them. The ones who refuse to let go of all the hatred and anger in their hearts, and that are so unhappy with their own existence that they can't bear anybody else having any joy. And it's just ridiculous, like... Most people are not like that. Most people can be talked to and we can explain to them, hey, look, this is how it is and this is why. And it's been proven that when you have more exposure to people that are different than you, your biases and your racism starts to go away because you start like humanizing the person because you start mm-hmm. seeing them like oh this is a human being <laughs> like yeah. she has music that she likes and you know she has hobbies and oh she thinks this about that and it's like oh this is a person and so there's this barrier that we have to break down this illusion that people that are different from us are not as human as we are and mm-hmm. that they can be treated as less than so you know i think the work that you're doing is amazing because you're giving support to people who are in the most difficult point of their lives, going through the biggest transition, you know? I mean, this is bigger than even, I would say, having a kid because you're changing your entire life, your entire surroundings, potentially your language, you know, so it's, we need more people like you doing what you do, and I just want to say thank you. So, um, thank you. okay, so I'll, 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 lead, I'll lead us out on a positive question. Um, What do you feel we should do to help improve the future of immigrants? Like,
0: where's the silver lining? What can we do to make things better? I think we need to educate ourselves, right? Knowledge is power. Uh, It's like when uh, providing me, providing services to the families, working with the parents, it's like there's a lot of psychoeducation that we do, right? So there's a lot of education that we need to do. Knowledge is power. I think that's what we need to remind ourselves, right? The more we know, the better is for us, right? Um, Because then nobody can say what people can say, whatever they want to say, right? Go back to your country and then we can kind of know our rights, right? I think that's what's important. Um, So I think that's what I would leave it with that. The more we know, the better is for us. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's awesome because knowledge
1: is power. It sounds corny, but it's true. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so Claudia, I just once again wanted to thank you so, so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the work that you're putting in for our people. Like, thank you, thank you, thank you. We need more people (laughs) like you. Thank you so much. Welcome back anytime, anytime. Um, So we'll be posting this video up on YouTube. And then Claudia, if you want to send me any websites or any social media links, I'll go ahead and post those too so that you guys can follow Claudia and follow the great work that they're doing. Um, And then we'll be back again soon with another interview. Thank you guys so much. Subscribe. All right. And uh, I'll see you guys again soon. Okay. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye.